Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about primary day, America, not Trump, is on the ballot. Disney cast member Nick Cotterano joins me. I cannot wait for this conversation. Hear a little inside scoop on Disney. State Farm joins the Trans Grooming Club and then U-Turns. Overthrowing the Marxists, Texas school boards withdraw from the National School Board Association and parents fighting back and it's working. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk with you today's First Five. I'm Debbie George Addis. It's primary day in a lot of states around the country, including some very significant states uh, that some people are trying to say will really be a sign or a signal for how the fall elections of 2022 will go. And it's even primary day here in the Grace. It's actually a runoff today in Texas from our earlier primary. I want to talk just briefly about what's happening in Georgia and what the media is trying to tell you to think uh, about the Georgia primary election. There are two big races. Uh, one is for the governor's race. The incumbent Brian Kemp is uh, running and he's in a runoff. Uh, and then also David Perdue is in that runoff and a third uh, candidate also. What the left is trying to say, when I say left, really for what the Uniparty is trying to say is that if Governor Kemp succeeds in getting a majority today in this primary, what that signals is that the era of Trump is over. And because Trump, you know, he did not get behind Brian Kemp. In fact, he accused Brian Kemp um, of not handling the election of 2020, honestly and fairly. And so, you know, uh, President Trump has gotten behind the uh, challenger, David Perdue, uh, and Mike Pence, uh, who is uh, my, on my short list of true villains, but Mike Pence has endorsed Governor Kemp. And I just want to say this. No matter how the election comes out, it does not change what the American people want out of their elected class, which is they want fair and honest elections and they want the perpetuation of America. They want the Trump agenda. I'm getting at this because I think if you see uh, a, a significant win uh, by either Governor Kemp or the uh, Secretary of State race, another huge race, Raffensperger, the incumbent, running again, uh, and he is uh, squaring off against Jody Heiss, fabulous congressman, uh, former congressman from Georgia, now running for Secretary of State. And so Heiss is backed by Trump, and uh, the ruling class is supporting the incumbent. And the other point the uh, left is trying to make is that this will not only signal, if Kemp wins, that the era of Trump is over, that everyone's tired of him, but they also want to try to tell you that the American public is not buying into Trump's arguments about election fraud. And that is the biggest lie of all they will try to tell you. America watched 2,000 mules. America watched many of the presentations made in the swing states where the battle is ongoing, uh, trying to expose election fraud and trying to expose it, number one. Number two, put into law actual changes that will prevent future thefts of elections. The, the uh, Uniparty, including many establishment Republicans like Mike Pence and others, want to just put the whole election fraud thing behind us and say, oh, no, 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 you know, new day. Everyone's tired of hearing Trump talk about election fraud. And I'm going to tell you, folks, that's just not going to play. It's not going to play. The American people are wide awake, more and more are awake, and understand the outrageous fraud of the 2020 election. And they've seen 2,000 mules, and they've listened to Dr. Douglas Frank. They've listened to Seth Keschel. They've listened to all sorts of experts. They've gotten involved in their own states. They're watching the outcome of the Arizona audit, the New Mexico audit we talked about last week. They understand there was election fraud. Do not buy into the argument that the left is trying to, that the left has won the argument and there was no election fraud if it turns out that both Kemp and Raffensperger prevailed, which, which is entirely possible that that may happen. What is really on the table in this primary and in the 2022 midterms is the big question of whether or not the Trump-led 
resurgence for love of, reawakening of the idea of America is what the American people want, or do they want the over-the-cliff-to-socialism path that the left is on? That's the question. And I'm telling you, the vast majority of Americans, even if they dislike President Trump and they don't like his tweets, they don't like anything about him, they want what Trump was doing for America. They want to have an actually secure border. They want to get rid of CRT and transgender ideology in kindergarten. They want to have a, not only a strong border, but a strong America, a free market, free America. They want to have health care freedom. They want the Trump agenda. That's what the majority want. And, and regardless of what you think of Trump or not, that view, what Trump brought to America in the 2016 campaign when he spoke so openly and, and you know, tried to raise the alarm bell about where the left is taking this country, this, is, this awakened literally millions of sleeping giant Americans who just said, you know, I'm not going to let the left just take over and destroy our country. Not going to happen. I'll tell you one last thing in the first five, then we'll turn to our wonderful guest today. In Texas, there is a primary for a state rep race, and I'm going to guess no one outside of Texas has even heard about it. But the primary that I'm really most interested in in Texas, I mean, there's a big primary, by the way, for in Texas uh, for our attorney general slot. We have the incumbent, Ken Paxton, uh, whom I believe will win easily. Uh, he's been a fighter for the Trump agenda. Uh, and then we have uh, George P. Bush, uh, who is the son, uh, he is the nephew of W and the son of, um, his, his dad was a Florida governor, can't think of his first name. Anyway, he, he's a Bush. He's a Bushy, he's a Bush family guy. And I think that the people of Texas are going to rise up and say, we don't want the Bush agenda. We don't want that anymore. We are done. But the race I want to talk about in closing out the first five is this. In Texas, there's a state rep race. It's that, so we're in runoffs here in Texas. We already had our primary. In this runoff, there is a dad named Jeff Younger who is fighting with every fiber of his being to protect his son. His un, his, uh, he's, he is divorced. This Jeff Younger's divorce. His wife um, is, uh, has custody of their twin boys. Twin boys. Adorable twin boys. The wife wants to turn one of the boys who, when she started this hideous task, was seven years old. Now I think he's nine or ten. But in any case, this dad, Jeff Younger, has been fighting all along in Texas to say, we have to stop this. We have to stop the genital mutilation of minor children. We don't do that here in Texas. We have a better idea in Texas. Jeff Younger is on the ballot. And this is really the issue is, does Texas have the fortitude to put someone into the Texas state legislature who will stand up on these issues and stand up against the, I mean, the unthinkable to me, whether it is merely chemical castration or whatever other uh, avenues uh, this ex-wife is trying to, to um, pursue. This is a dad standing up and saying, no, we don't do this to children in America and trying to protect his own son. So you will hear as we uh, tomorrow or uh, yeah, tomorrow I'll be able to tell you how that race came out. Um, and I, I know you might be thinking I'm in the gray state of Texas and we're really solid conservative. How can we not already have gender mutilation of small children uh, already be against the law? There was a big push to try to get this law passed in the most recent Texas legislative session. And actually a fair number of Republicans of course, the Democrats are all on board. You know, just go for it. Whatever you want to do, these kids, the Democrats don't care. But the Republicans who you think might have, and who have the majority, and you think might have stood up, they did not stand up. They did not. In fact, there is suspicion among my very many activists, serious, you know, down there in Austin lobbying friends, that part of the reason Texas could not protect children in this past legislative session uh, is because of the pharmaceutical companies who make millions of dollars manufacturing treatments to engage in the transgendering of children and who donate to candidates, Republican and Democrat, and those folks, it appears, were the ones, the recipients of pharmaceutical company donations, they're the ones who could not get behind protecting a seven-year-old from a lunatic mother who wants to turn a boy into a girl. More about that tomorrow, but wrapping up today, no matter what happens in all the primaries around the country, don't latch it too much on to Donald Trump. Recognize that America is awake, is waking up, and I'm not talking woke, that's the left. America, the real heartland Americans 
are waking up to recognize that we need to get to battle stations, stand up for our country, whether it's in the public schools uh, and all the issues we talk about there, whether it's about border security, all the many other issues that we talk about on this show all the time. America, the people who love the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the idea of freedom and rights from God, all those beautiful things, those Americans are awake and they are, in, they are entering the battlefield and that is what's at stake now and in 2022. And if we can have fair elections in 2022, I'll say it right here and now today, there is no chance the Democrats stay or keep control of the Senate or the House. No chance if we can have fair elections, a mighty big if indeed. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. So we have a guest joining us. I was so excited when I, I got an email realizing that I could uh, have a connection with someone who actually works at Disney. His name is Nick Cotterano. Uh, he's a Disney cast member, um, and he has um, been a, um, an outspoken advocate in a bunch of issues related to working at Disney. So uh, we're going to talk with him right now, and I just want to welcome him to the show. Hello, Nick Cotterano. Hello, Debbie. Thanks for having me. I am so glad you could join me. Great to see you. Okay, so I'm going to jump right in. Uh, first of all, just tell me what it means to be a cast member. What do you do at Disney? Uh, well, I work with I work with the the public. I I work with guests. Uh, I'm trying not to give too many details so it doesn't complicate my job. I'm still there, uh, but I work directly with the guests. Okay. Well, I'll just uh, start with this. I will tell you that in, that I think America was kind of shocked to recognize how strongly Disney would come out. We're going to talk about your, um, you did a, a, a really activist thing related to COVID. Actually, let's start with that. You came out early on when Disney decided they were going to have mandates related to vaccines for COVID. And you formed a website. I, um, well, I want to mention it for our listeners. Um, it is goofyvaccines.com, right? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So why did you come out so strongly against uh, the mandated vaccines at Disney? You know, I, I, when I saw COVID rolling out, it just, a lot of it didn't feel right. Two weeks to flatten the curve and it was rolling into months. Um, and then with the vaccines, I, I didn't know what to think about it. I wrote, uh, eventually I wrote an open letter to Disney, uh, kind of unfolding the process, how it happened for me mentally. Um, but when the mandates were coming, I, I was a union leader. So I got a call early on from uh, union leadership telling me it was coming. I, they, they knew I was the outside the box thinker in the bunch. They wanted to, to make sure they knew where I stood. And, I, and I, I, I didn't think there was anything I could personally do. So I just said, you know, I know it's coming, but all the reasons I disagree with it. And I went down the list. Well, the next day my wife tested positive for COVID. Three days later, I ended up in the ER. Um, and the ER, they, they, I was there for seven hours, high fever, aches, chills, positive COVID test. And they basically said, there's nothing we could do for you until you go to crisis. With your pre-existing conditions, you're probably gonna go into crisis, go home. Uh, when you go into crisis, come back, we'll give you remdesivir. I had no idea at the time what remdesivir was. Uh, I, went, I went home, started doing my research. I finally got a hold of my doctor and he had jumped on the FLCCC protocols and he told me he was gonna send me something called ivermectin and uh, steroids and erythromycin. So I said, sure, let's try it. As I read up on it, um, sounded good. Uh, two hours later, uh, we got the ivermectin. Two hours after that, we felt a lot better. Two days later, we were great. And I realized something was wrong. So I started digging in and finding out something was really wrong because why weren't these therapeutics that are working so well, why doesn't anybody know about them? And why is remdesivir and ventilators so incentivized? And, and I started understanding uh, what was going on that they, literally I felt they were killing people and they were suppressing the therapeutics so they can get an EUA, an emergency use authorization for the vaccine. And I felt I had an obligation as a Christian, uh, I, I just had an obligation to take a stand. And that started my fight against the mandates, uh, eventually also against discrimination now as a result of the, of the vaccine mandates and the policies at Disney. Um, and that's been, that's been my fight on that. I love that you did that. Um, this is the first time we've ever talked or connected, so you don't know, but I have talked on this show, covered the issue of COVID extensively, have many of the most nationally prominent doctors talking about exactly what you're saying. I'll tell you, my husband and I had COVID, and we you know, weren't feeling that great, and we did ivermectin, too, and a couple of the other um, inhaled budesonide. And, and anyway, we just right. we, we got better so quickly because of these things. 
at the time when so many people were clamoring, do we have to get a vaccine? So, but I want to go back. So, but within Disney's culture. And Debbie, can I add real quick? My mom's 73, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, uh, kidney disease. She got COVID, ended up in the emergency room, couldn't breathe. Uh, we, I told her to get the steroids and, and erythromycin. They, they reluctantly gave it to her. And I got her the ivermectin. Two days later, my mom was fine. So, you know, that, that, that they, they, would, they would scare you into believing that it was a death sentence for somebody like my mom. But clearly the therapeutics work. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's terrible what, they, what they've done and what they've suppressed uh, for allowing the pushing people into this vaccine. Absolutely true. And I want to mention for our listeners again um, that tomorrow in the show, we have Dr. Peter McCullough and a co-author of his, John Lee, who wrote this book, The Courage to Face COVID-19, Preventing Hospitalization and Death While Battling the Biopharmaceutical Complex. Uh, he's been on, we're going to try to do a whole show with him. Um, he's been on numerous times, uh, McCullough, but this new book, I think, is trying to lay out for the common r- reader to understand what is up with this disease? But I want to ask you, so what's, what's happening within Disney? I mean, are, did, are you succeeded in softening their policies or, or how you, how's that going with the well, COVID we, mandates? We've been really fortunate here, here in Florida with Governor DeSantis, he's done amazing. Uh, we were able, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the Republicans uh, besides uh, Sabatini, Anthony Sabatini in, in the Florida legislature, nobody would speak up and fight for us, but we got to the streets, we rallied, we raised a lot of uh, support and DeSantis was finally able to call a special session and they stopped the mandates, uh, but they left the loopholes open due to CMS and trying to keep that Medicare money for the hospitals and all the political connections that involves. Uh, So we still have discrimination. Companies like Disney still have a vaccine policy they will call it, and they could require PPE and N95 mask on many of their cast members that are not vaccinated and and other uh, punitive things. And it's just crazy because so many people that are vaccinated and, and boosted, they're all getting COVID, even right now. And, <laughs> and it's just insanity. And, and it just, none of it's reasonable. Uh, and at this point, with all the data we have, people like Peter McCullough, you know, who was highly respected before, one of the most cited doctors in his field in the world. And, and yet, when he took a stand, you would think that reasonable people would look at that and common sense would say, if this doctor's risking everything, to tell us something, maybe we should listen. Uh, but they villainized him, and 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 they bought, they drank the Kool Aid, and Disney as well. Disney has definitely drank the Kool Aid on this. It is the most amazing thing. Um, you know, I love this topic. I love it, but I don't I don't want to run out of time with you. The reason that I was so excited to, to be able to have you on the show and talk about the climate at Disney has to do also with how the Disney CEO spoke up uh, so uh, vociferously in opposition to the, uh, t- the Florida law, now is the Florida law, um, and it w- the law is actually called, um, get the right name for it, um, Parental, Parental Rights in Rights Education, Education Bill. Yeah. yeah. So, he's, so here's Florida doing what the majority of parents wanted as reflected by the will of the House and Senate in Florida and the governor, uh, wanted to basically protect young children, K through three, uh, just basically keep them free from education, the subject of sexuality. Uh, and, and I know the left came up with a, a stupid nickname for it, but all they're really saying is kindergarten or third grade. So pretty much in my terms, these are babies. These are young, young children. And so Florida's trying to say, this is, you know, let, let's just keep education and sexuality away from the ears and eyes of these very young children. I think many Americans were shocked when Disney came out so strongly against it and stridently said they're going to fight against this law, this is wrong, and, and seemed to be advocating for sexual sexuality and a tr- kind of the transgender advocacy agenda for very, very young children. I'll tell you the quickest story and then have you respond. So I have a really good friend here whose uh, daughter, after college, uh, had had a job lined up at Disney, and so she gets out of college. And the job to get hired for this job, I forgot, is like some program was two or three years. But they ha- she had to agree uh, no um, piercings except for in your ears, no tattoos, no unnatural hair colors, all sorts of you know like wholesome all American things. She had to agree to to get this job. So this mom, I saw her yesterday. She said, I don't understand how you square that Disney with the Disney uh, that the CEO is basically saying, you know, we advocate for uh, sexual education for small children, which is the real Disney. So yeah, that's a great opening, but which is the real Disney? 
Uh, you know, for a long time, I think they've been playing both sides of the fence. Um, they've been slowly pushing a lot of different things. I think mo most people assume they were moving with culture uh, while they were presenting themselves as the family safe, friendly option. Um, and I think that was just to keep the money coming in through the doors. And they were just testing the waters to see how far they could push. But with this, with this stepping out against pre-K to third grade to, to, to keep from grooming kids, literally is what it is, is grooming kids, um, and, 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 and defending that kind of idea that, that this is something that's necessary, uh, they really showed their true colors. I can't believe just a small minority is what pushed them over the edge. And with the Christopher Rofo releasing those videos that were leaked that I felt was kind of handed to them, they want this information out. We now know that Disney has really been pushing this agenda. And the idea of sexualizing kids, and I think that's another term, is they're sexualizing children, seems to be something that they're, they, they feel really strongly about, obviously. And, and it's unbelievable. And, and, and now with State Farm yesterday, I heard you mention that in your opening, you know, it's, it's not just Disney alone. It seems like all these corporations, they're, they're jumping on the CRT, on, the, on this trans, transsexual uh, transitioning of children is so important to them. And there's no real rational reason that, that anybody would want to be going after kids like this, whether you agree with people's rights as adults to do what they want or not. But this, this is something totally different when you're going after such young babies, as you call them. And I, and I believe they are. Kids are so impressionable. To me, this seems just to be a, a, a tool. I call it a tool in the Marxist toolbox to literally rip the country, the fabric of the country apart. And I think this is just a way to really disrupt families, to put families at odds with each other, uh, and to keep people busy, and also grooming kids and preparing these kids that if these kids get so confused that they don't know the difference between a boy and a girl, how are they going to know what's right or wrong about anything else as they're growing up? They're easily or controlled. And I think they're, they're, they're creating a political class that, that's favorable to them. And uh, I, I don't see any other way. And when I see all these other cor companies and corporations jumping on the same bandwagon, it's just it's really hard to, to, to reconcile what would make them want to do these things other than there's some kind of sinister agenda involved. Okay, so you just like basically said all my talking points. I'm right with you all the way. <laughs> right, sorry. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's so true. I do want to talk about that Disney executive because, I mean, I heard you say in some other interview that you thought maybe the release of this allegedly private uh, meeting in which she was videotaped, that this is uh, the executive of Disney corporate president, Carrie Burke. And the thing she had to say, she said, I'm here as a mother. Let me back up there at a company meeting called Reimagine Tomorrow, where top level employees openly discuss Disney's push to add more. And then they have LGBTQIA2S plus is now the term content in its ever growing library. And this woman is Disney corporate president, Carrie Burke. I'm here as a mother of two queer children, one transgender child, one pansexual child, also as a leader. I feel a responsibility to speak, not just for myself, but for them. I think we played her video before in this show, but I just want to read it to you very quickly. And so she's talking about this meeting, how they were shocked, I tell you, shocked, to discover that even though they've had characters like this in Disney, sh Disney stories and films and shows, um, that they, they don't have enough uh, where the queer, this is their term, the queer person is a lead in the story. And she's saying, how can that be? That can't be true. She's shocked. So I, want, I really do want to get to the highest level of Disney. I, I'm going to say, I'll draw a distinction with State Farm. I'm going to talk about them next. State Farm, I think, and many corporations in America get pushed around by the left. They get pushed around by whatever is the coolest thing to think. They're not really heavily immersed in the agenda. They just, oh, this is a thing we have to say to keep, you know, to, to sound like we're with it. Uh, but Disney is different. Disney's like a thought shaper. They, they have a massive media presence. They're thought shapers. And so, so is it your sense that people at the highest level of Disney actually believe all this stuff? Or are they just trying to keep the extremely vociferous uh, you know, LGBTQ mob uh, happy by going along with them? Do they actually believe this is a good thing to sexualize children or yeah. not? Debbie, first I'd like to address that mom, uh, the Disney leader that was a mom that said she had a pansexual and a bisexual child. I heard somebody put it this way. My vegan cat is a vegan because I made the decision for it. I think a lot of these young children would not be confused and in these predicaments without the suggestions of adults around them. 
Uh, we've seen now for a while they've been pushing the trans the, the transvestite story hour for all these young little kids in, in libraries across the country. They're introducing these things. Um, so it, it, th th these ideas there and, and Bill Meyer uh, recently, just a few days ago, made the comment and he and he drew the contrast with California. We said a lot more kids are trans confused out there than they are in Ohio. So it seems to suggest that the environment is creating a lot of these problems. Um, but touching going back to Disney and leadership, I, I got, you know, one of the ladies has suggested that she was allowed and she had the space to get away with, with all these things and pushing her queer agenda. Um, I, I got to believe, and, and you mentioned even with State Farm, there's got to be some people, where are the people that are in control? Where are the adults in the room that are looking at things reasonably and from a, and from a sound business perspective, looking at all these issues and making decisions? Either they're really negligent or this is the agenda they want. I really feel strongly about that. I don't know what Disney's thinking is at, at the top, but they clearly have been going in this direction. They've released a whole clothing line for kids, uh, transgender kids, and 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 the messaging, and they've un, un they they have rolled out a lot of different things supporting uh, these communities for children. So it seems to be that they just kind of been holding all this pent up energy and desire to go into this direction, and they're ready to run with it. And and you're right, their their culture. They're, they're not following culture. They're, Disney is one of those companies that they're culture creators. They lead in, in all aspects of industry and media and where they go, everybody follows. But I, I, I feel this, this is something bigger because you see them, you look at the administration, one of the first things that Biden did when he stepped in with executive order was to push the transgender sports into men into yep. uh, women's sports. So again, you could start to draw the connections. And, and when you look at all these different lines, He's also pushing for pu puberty blockers, and 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 I think there's some kind of penalties for doctors that won't do the transgender surgery he was trying to push. So there seems to be an agenda that wants all these things, and not, and to me it's like the ship of crazy heading out to sea. And once they take these kids way out to sea, they're not going to be able to see the shores of truth anywhere, and they're just going to be easier to control and manipulate and. Uh, they're, they're going to be able to do whatever they want. I mean, I think that's that's what I feel, or my observations at least. Uh, you have obviously done a great deal of thinking this at a very deep level. Uh, as I said earlier, we've never talked or met before. This show is dedicated, I, I always say, to saving America. I don't talk sports, fashion, anything else except for saving America, and part of it is saving truth and culture and for children. And, you know, your point a moment ago about the children of that executive, you're exactly right. Children do not naturally decide at a very young age, I think I'm really a pansexual. I mean, half of America had to look that up. What even is that? Um, so parents shaping views of children uh, is a big part of it. I need to interrupt myself for our radio listeners. You're about to go off on a break. It's a three-minute break. I'll be right here when you come back to America Can We Talk. You can always listen to the show live at our website, americacanwetalk.org. But for radio listeners, we have a whole other half hour coming. So after your break, come right back to America Can We Talk. Okay, so back to talking uh, with Nick. I'm so grateful that you were um, available to talk about this today. And you write it that I was going to go after we were done into this whole discussion of cultural Marxism, the destruction of America, because that's what's happening. I mean, Disney's yeah. facilitating and enabling it, but it's happening in the public schools. And I'll tell you, one great thing that has happened is, just as people pointed out, the one good thing of COVID was that kids were at home and parents started to see what they were learning in school. And it really engendered a movement among parents to show up at school and say, we, we don't want you teaching critical race theory to our children. We don't want you teaching them to judge other people by their skin color and to hate America and America's founding. And we don't want pushing this transgender advocacy or whatever term you want to use, sexualization of children, grooming of children. We want it stopped. And I, I, it was a blessing out of COVID. I also think this exposure of Disney, the fact that they chose to react so strongly against the Florida law, caused it, it opened people's eyes. They thought, what in the world? Because like, all the things you just described, or this uh, woman was talking about the meeting where she said, we've had all these queer characters, but now we just need to make them leads. I think most of America had no idea that Disney had that agenda. And so it was actually a blessing to have the bill passed in Florida and signed and have Disney speak up so um, so vociferously. I think it caused people to realize that this is Disney saying that. So you're still employed by Disney, which I find remarkable, um, and you're still advocating for all this. So what is the path forward in your view to get Disney to 
uh, is, is it just financial until they get starved to death with people won't show up at the at their at Disneyland Disney World they won't watch the films they end their subscriptions is is money going to starve them out of this or what's going to make them change their agenda you know Debbie and, and this is pure speculation as I as I worry about all these issues that you mentioned and about our country and and the the, the Marxist takeover of all these uh, opportunist people. I, I, I almost don't think it's about money anymore. I, I don't think they're making their decisions on money. I think somewhere, somehow at the top, the people at the top have all the money they need. Everybody else can suffer if they, need, if they have to as collateral damage. I think it's a push for ideology. As we see all these things with the, with the mandates and the vaccines and, and even with all the data that's come out and they're still pushing, they're going for broke. And I think they, you know, they have this window of opportunity now while they have the Congress, the House and the Senate, the presidency, that, that this is their window and they're, they're gonna do everything they can. What's gonna change it, I, I think is just us standing up, us speaking up. I mean, State Farm reversed course pretty quickly when the outrage was there. And I think as we start to take a stand and, and especially at a local level, uh, I'm part of an organization now that um, I, I met just getting into my fight, but now I'm working with them. CCDF, County Citizens Defending Freedom. And the idea is that we fight at a local level to, to affect global change, and especially national change. And I think it's just getting everybody involved and, and beginning to take a stand and stop being scared and, and speak up and, and stand our grounds in, in our school boards and in, in, our, in our neighborhoods uh, and, and start really holding these politicians accountable that are getting elected under the pretense that they're conservative and that they care about these things, but their voting record and their actions show something totally different. We need to shine the light on them and we need to hold people accountable. Nick Hatterano, you've absolutely no idea how much you are singing my tune. Honestly, I, I'm saying this all the time. It can change at the local level. In fact, what we're going to talk about in Texas, how we have this um, this one house race, which I think is symbolic of a lot. And um, I also think we have uh, the school boards here are, are changing. And that one little brief segment I'll do later, the Texas, uh, the state school board agency just dropped out of the national and they didn't do it right away when the national came out with their, you know, we want to shut parents down letter that they did it because of advocacy by parents and, and, and others just saying, we're not tolerating this, tolerating this anymore. So Nick Conrad, I hope I can have you on again sometime. I'm, I'm love to have you on again. Any, anytime, I'd love to be back. And, and thank you so much for giving me a chance to talk about these things. Thank you, sir. Great to talk with you. So friends, I will tell you on our website, americacanbetalk.org, I put a link to his website, uh, which is Goofy, which is of course the Disney character, goofyvaccines.com. A true advocate, as you understand, you're hearing he's fighting on the vaccine front, but he's also fighting uh, this, this incredible cultural uh, morass of Disney, which I, I do think it was a blessing to America that uh, America could begin to see what Disney really is all about. I did not know until he just said it. Disney has a clothing line for transgender children. I mean, for crying out loud. Okay. But it actually segues nicely. And the next thing I want to talk with you about. Um, so State Farm, you were hearing us, State Farm, uh, the insurance company um, came out with a, it became public. Someone leaked it. State Farm had engaged in a program to encourage their agents and employees to purchase LGBTQ advocacy, transgender advocacy literature for small children and donate that literature to schools. I mean, this was, you know, they were trying to do it behind the scenes. State Farms was, you know, they weren't, they didn't make a big public splash about it, but they tried to do it behind the scenes. There are three books, a kid's book about being transgender, a kid's book about being non-binary, and a kid's book about being inclusive. And it was sponsored by, and the left always comes up with the best names, sponsored by a group called the Gender Cool Project. Gender Cool Project. So State Farm, and I'm telling you people, I do not believe State Farm at the highest levels is filled with people who are just hankering to push the transgender agenda. It is filled with people who understand that the left in this country is pushing this agenda and that this is a way to get brownie points with the left. It also may even help them with all their new ESG requirements. But in any case, they put this out there. Unfortunately, one organization pounced on it and and Ex exposed it. And so I want to play, I have some of these um, uh, tweets that were put out. So State Farm uh, puts this in place. And um, part of what 
um, this, uh, these are just things that State Farm had and what they were pushing. This is clip one, if you can put that tweet up. Um, this is uh, State Farm, the agenda. State Farm wants to confuse your children saying just because a doctor says you're a boy or a girl doesn't actually make you a boy or a girl. Okay, we can do clip two, telling parents. It's how to tell your parents that you're trans. Five-year-olds, this is going to five-year-olds. The book lays out how do you talk to your parents about being trans. Okay, next one, I think was three. Yeah, one, this is, um, uh, actually I'm gonna, yeah, exactly what I want. I think that was the end of it, no. The State Farm um, promoted a book encouraging five-year-olds to question their own gender identity and to reconsider their pronouns. They're not even, I, I mean, I find it breathtaking, but I want to share those with you to say, if you think that conservatives or whoever exposed this thing at State Farm are overreacting, this is what they're pushing their agents as like community service, like maybe they used to say, you know, help the poor at Christmas time, uh, serve at a food bank. Now they're saying, buy transgender advocacy literature and send it to schools. And they had a letter out from the State Farm. It wasn't just in Florida, around the country. That was gonna be their like community service, State Farm. I am telling you, it is not because State Farm actually thinks transgenderism is a really good idea. I, I think at Disney, having talked to Nick Carterano, probably is the Disney agenda, or at least a significant portion of, of Disney is into this. But this is State Farm. And the reason State Farm had to stop, um, and I want to get to, um, this is clip, don't do it, Mr. Emilio, the wonderful producer. Um, yeah, let's get to clip five. So State Farm starts to get pushback in, in, in the form of people canceling their policies. Great, State Farm. Now I need to look for a new insurance company. Uh, replying to uh, State Farm, you're about to find out how going woke means going broke. There's so many other insurance companies to choose from. And I could play the rest of the show. I can play more and more and more tweets like that. State Farm got bombarded. Once somebody exposed what they were doing, bombarded with people not just complaining, but canceling their policies canceling their policies in state form, not really committed after all to this agenda as Disney appears to be um, you know, uh, very committed. Uh, there's a clip seven, state farm backtracks. And they say, you know, actually now that we think about it, we sent a, they sent out a mass email to their staff today stating, we will no longer support that gender cool program after they were exposed for supporting a project to push LGBTQ books into schools. A source tells me the agent's really upset when we found out. I'm getting to the point that this is what advocacy means. A state Farm, I mean, you could fret and wring your hands and you know, clutch your pearls at home and say, it's just terrible what State Farm is doing. You gotta change your business. You gotta say, we're actually taking our business away from you. They have to feel monetary pressure. Perhaps Disney is so large that they just aren't gonna care and they're so committed to this agenda that they're gonna do it anyway, but State Farm did a total U-turn. And the only reason they did that total U-turn is because they started to lose business. And if anyone were to actually do an honest poll, what they figured out is, you know, this is not really what the American people want. American people do not want us luring five-year-olds into contemplating their real gender. Which leads me into our next topic about overthrowing the Marxist uh, Texas School Board. I'll just say this is another little advocacy piece, short piece, but understanding that when the National uh, School Board uh, Association wrote a letter, you know, to the DOJ, to, uh, to the federal government, the, the uh, FBI, the DOJ, and said, you know, we're getting bombarded. You got to help us, and these poor, these parents are crazy. And you actually had the federal government say that parents might be considered domestic terrorists if they show up at school board meetings and argue vociferously to end critical race theory and end what the, uh, the LGBTQ, um, you know, just luring LGBTQ um, advocacy programs that were making their way from kindergarten through, you know, the rest of schooling. Parents showed up and said to the schools, you're not doing this, you're not doing this. And the, and the institutional uh, organizations like the National School Board you know, they were not quick to fold. You know, when parents started complaining, their, their first idea was, you know, maybe we can get these parents to shut up if we tell them they might be domestic terrorists. I mean, you know, that, that'll teach them. The NSBA, the National School Board Association, uh, calling parents domestic terrorists if they show up at school boards, uh, a letter to the DOJ, and, and then there was a leaked letter out of the DOJ saying, you know, yeah, we might have to call out the military on these parents. 
This was just, it was an epiphany for many parents realizing these schools and these school board officials are out of control. They actually think they control our children. And, and so what had to happen, I mean, I'm telling you, Texas School Board Association did not overnight, they did not overnight say, oh my gosh, these crazy national school board people who are calling parents domestic terrorists, they didn't instantly, they, the Texas School Board Association, the state level entity, they didn't instantly drop out of the national. They dropped out because parents, citizens, local school boards started to say, this is crazy what they're saying, this national thing is saying, get out of this. And so Texas finally did it. And actually many local school boards around our state, and I'm assuming every state, could also be advocates and just say, and say we're getting out of the Texas School Board Association. The notion that you have, you have to think how leftists think, it's always top-down control. So the National School Board, obviously totally anti-American, Marxist left, outraged that parents think they have any role in what their children are taught or that parents ought to get to speak up and say, we really don't want you teaching our kids to hate America, hate people who don't look like them, judge people by the color of their skin, and we don't want you luring them with a transgender advocacy agenda. I mean, the National School Board Association at first responded with outrage toward the parents. They actually did later issue an apology. They really shouldn't have called parents domestic terrorists, but Advocacy is needed at levels all around this country because what we are, Nick Caterano said it a moment ago, and I've said it many times on my show, we are facing, we are in an ideological war for the heart and soul of America. That's where we are right now. We're in an ideological war for the future of America. The anti-American left, the left that loves cultural Marxism, that loves control over the, over the people that lives and breathes to find more ways to control everything about your life. They made through this, we talk about long march through the institutions, through decades, you know, eight decades or so of work the communists in the countries have done through colleges, universities, school board associations, and a million other entities that never even occurred to us it was happening. But it's all fortunately come to light uh, in, these mo in these really last several years when we realized that this anti-family, anti-faith, anti-Christian, anti-American culture freedom. That ideology is engaged in a major assault to take down America. It's as dangerous an assault as if the, you know, Cubans, Venezuelans, Russians, Chinese bombed us. It's that level of assault on America. The ideological assault on the idea of America and the freedom of families and parents is that intense and that dangerous and it's happening right before our eyes. And the fight back is not going to happen because you get the right person elected to Congress or Senate or even the presidency or even the governor. It is a full-on, all hands on deck, all Americans, the infantry is needed, get involved and fight for this country. So you finally get Texas to withdraw from the National School Board over the domestic terror letter, which, uh, you know, was months ago. Okay, yeah, the letter that got them, everyone riled up, was from September of 2021. We're now in May of 2022, and the Texas School Board group finally says, okay, you know, maybe these guys are a little crazy. They did it because of pressure, and the pressure must remain in the, in the hearts and minds and the activism of the people of Texas and all over this country, because the ideological assault on America is not just a minor little, you know, between the 40-yard lines, to use the football analogy. The ideological war America's engaged in is not between the 40-yard lines, you know, where everything's kind of in the center field. It is holding on to America as the conservatives, the Republicans, the constitutionalists, the patriots want and what the left wants is to bring down America. I don't mean they want to kill every citizen. They want to destroy the idea of America. They want to destroy the freedom in which America was founded. That is the battle we are in. And the schools, Disney, State Farm, I mean, all of these entities engaged in, in pushing this ideological agenda. Yes, there are millions involved who are part of the, who are, implementing the agenda, but they have no idea why they're doing it. And they're not really ideologically committed to the destruction of America and the abandonment of freedom and the embrace of Marxism. They're not committed to it. 
they're just kind of following along. Okay, this year I went to my um, you know, school board meeting and they said to do this, and now this is our position. There are a lot of useful idiots participating in the ideological destruction of America. Many useful idiots. But I am telling you, there are more people like you, like me, like millions of others who are wide awake. They see what the left is doing to America, and they're not going to put up with it. Which turns, the last thing I want to talk about today uh, has to do with the, um, the schools and parents fighting and, and how important it is uh, what they're fighting over. There are a lot of battles in the schools about the LGBTQ agenda and, and the, you know, transgender advocacy, sexualization of children, the pushing of a sexual education, not just education like you might think back in your, the era you went through school and it was kind of birds and bees and kind of vague. The actual advocacy in truly lurid, specific, with pictures and description of sexual activity for young children, this is what's being pushed in the public schools. And Americans, as I say, have not been awake for a long time. But I want to give you some examples of how we are winning this battle. And before I do that, I'm going to give you some more examples. But I don't want to run out of time to hit two really, really vital points on this topic. One vital point is the way many leftists succeed in duping useful idiot parents, useful idiot citizens, or just average Joe citizens who don't get that engaged in the issues, the way the left pushes their destruction of family and of the God-given identity of each person, the way they push it is to talk about compassion. Women, I'm sorry to say, and I, I started this show up, it was for years called Ladies Can We Talk, and I made it into America Can We Talk, but women get lured in by the compassion argument. And they think, once the left tells them, oh, it's more compassionate to do this than that. And every woman, I mean, most women's heart is full of compassion. You, you just inherently feel compassion, you feel concerned. So if they pitch this transgender advocacy for five-year-olds as motivated by compassion, after all, what about the 0.0000000001% of children who might actually have some transgender questioning happening when they're five years old, and that's probably not even that much. What the left does is convince people that the way to respond to that, you know, intensely minuscule number of children who may even have such a thought is to push the agenda on everyone or else you lack compassion. To show compassion means that you have to uh, understand People might think differently, and so you're lured into accepting every single agenda item the left pushes because they claim they're being compassionate. And the fact is, if you read and, and learn about and watch videos of the horrific devastation inflicted on the lives of young men and women lured and duped into engaging in first kind of chemical castration or chemical transformation and then physical mangling of their bodies, to transition them from boy to girl or girl to boy, there are this, the internet's full of stories of the people who say later, why did you do this to me? How could you not have stopped me? I mean, you have to picture the outcome for these people, these young people whose parents are going along with it, maybe also out of a sense of compassion, because a person emerges after all this transition surgery and, and treatment drugs, and their body is mangled, their identity is deeply confused, even if they want to say, actually, you know, as it turns out, I think I really was a girl. I, I didn't, I shouldn't have tried to become a boy. I really am a girl. There's a lot to undo to make the transition back either way. There is no true, genuine, actual, full transition back to what you were. These people live lives. They live out the rest of their life, the only life they're going to get on planet Earth, being disfigured, by surgeons being having no uh, no real identity, no uh, no love of themselves, they, they end up hating themselves, miserable, depressed. This, the internet's full of stories, and these people are trying to come out and tell these stories. So when the left tells you they're being compassionate by pushing the LGBTQ agenda in kindergarten, understand it's a lie. 
They say they're being compassionate. They call it compassion to dupe you into going along with their agenda. That is what is happening. And the reason I'm raising this is because the compassion argument is being pushed by many, many people on this subject. And the other little analogy I want to make at the beginning is, do you remember back when, uh, or even if you just had to read about it, if you weren't around, but the, the left pushed really hard to take all religion out of public schools, all religion. You couldn't have Ten Commandments on the wall. You couldn't have a Bible. You couldn't have, I mean, any symbol of Christianity or Judaism. No religious symbology allowed in public schools. And the left was the driving force to take it out because they recognized how powerful the public schools are, especially with teachers pushing that agenda, how powerful that is to shape children's lives. That kids go to school and, oh yeah, my teacher is, uh, you know, she has the Ten Commandments and she has a cross and she loves Jesus and she loves the Bible. And they, saw, they argued that this was indoctrination of children, religious indoctrination. And so they succeeded, unfortunately, in getting to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court says, okay, absolutely no religious symbolism in schools. That same leftist mindset that drove religion out of schools in the 1960s is now driving this agenda in kindergarten to advocate for young children to be exposed to the, at five years of age, you know, you may not really be the gender you think you are, or your doctor doesn't get to tell your gender, you pick your gender, and you don't have to tell your parents, we'll keep it a secret safe with us. Those people recognize, those leftists recognize the power of schools to indoctrinate. This is indoctrination, this is grooming, this is horrific. And the reason they're doing it is not because they're trying to free children of the inhibitions of the past, of the dark and negative and confused old thinking, and that they're the modern thinkers. You have to recognize the agenda that is at work. If school, if the left through schools can convince children they have no unique identity, they have no identity, a God-given identity, they have no uh, God-given individuality, they're just a pile of mush to be pushed around by their latest thought, and, and understand how this mRNA vaccines all fit into this, because mRNA is all about shifting your agenda, your, um, your uh, DNA, so you're going to get an mRNA vaccine, and then, and as you've heard Dr. Harari say, we're going to we're going to twerk people around. Uh, human beings are just injectable units; they're just injectable units to be whatever we stick in them. This is the left taking away the precious idea of a child believing, as his parents want him to believe or her to believe, that they have God-given identity. The left was fine. Uh, you know, when they uh, took religion out of the public schools, making the argument that public schools are indoctrinating and they are the worst, they are the evil personified in our era, indoctrinating children into this agenda. And again, the purpose is not just to free the poor, tiny, minutia percentage of a child who maybe thinks he's transgender. The purpose is to substitute out the view of each individual as God-given identity that taught by their parents at home, taught by the faith the parents want to raise the children in, taught by, the, taught by time and memoriam. This is an idea of the left to indoctrinate children on the LGBTQ advocacy, transgender advocacy agenda, because ultimately they take away your whole sense of place, purpose, identity, uh, you know, uh, uniqueness as, a, as a, an individual, and you're just a unit that you can be torqued around by your thinking, you can be injected with mRNA. It is part of the cultural Marxist agenda to take down America, to destroy the family unit, to destroy the place of religion, the place of faith. That is what the left is doing in this agenda item, and this is why it is part of saving America, is you get this garbage out of the public schools. Now, I have some other quick clips. I was, you know, uh, I, I'm going to uh, skip a few of them. One thing that's happening, because parents are advocating, is that teachers are being forced to quit which, great with me, please quit. I want to just uh, play this one um, that is, uh, this is clip eight. And this is a teacher who was sadly forced to quit, um, or she was she quit because she'd be fired. She, he, it. I want to quick play clip eight. All right, guys. So I have been put in the position to dead name and misgender students for the last few months or whatever since I started working at my current school corporation and today was the day that I resigned um 
I was called in and they said they had had a meeting with the superintendent or assistant superintendent and the school lawyer and that um, while they are here, while the students are with us, we are acting in loco parento, which apparently means that we are acting in place of the parents. And so therefore we have to abide by parent wishes um, when it comes to preferred name and pronouns, which just like isn't true. Okay, I so, gotta jump in, I gotta cut her off, gotta cut her off. You know, we're gonna run out of time. For our radio listeners, you're listening to America Can We Talk. This is Debbie Georgiatis. Go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. Come back to tomorrow to hear Dr. Peter McCullough. Come back every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk. Love talking with you. I'll talk to you again tomorrow. I had her clip. I have another clip. But I'm just going to close out this discussion about schools. What you're starting to see is that th this person, if you're listening on radio, you couldn't hear her but, or couldn't see her. This is a obviously female who identifies as a uh, non-binary queer lesbian uh, who quit her job because the school told her that she, she has to use the pronouns that the parents say about the child. She can't play games with the child and say, oh, what do you want to be? Say, okay, you're a he, go ahead and be a he. What we are uncovering is, is the schools having hired teachers who are perfectly happy sharing their sexuality with small children, discussing sexuality as though that's the purpose of teaching, is just immerse their students in, in discussions of sexuality and who think their job is to take the child, whatever the child says, yeah, I think I'm a girl today. And so she has to use that agenda, that uh, pronoun that day and in defiance of the parents. These, are par these teachers are interfering with a primary unit of the family and child. And fortunately for America, more people are waking up and recognizing that is what's happening. Uh, we have more stuff on this, but I am past time, so I'm going to go and tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started with primary day America, not Trump's on the ballot, Uniparty trying to set up Kemp victory in the G uh, Georgia primary, uh, GOP primary, as proof that Trump has lost influence, assumes Trump endorsed David Perdue, cannot force a runoff because it's a three-way thing there. Uniparty's sickness is to mistake American groundswell for MAGA as a cultish loyalty to Trump. It's loyalty to the agenda of America is what America is, is why Americans are rising up. Trump's endorsement record is phenomenal, but it doesn't reflect blind voter loyalty to Trump. Trump has been effective mostly in identifying candidates with the spirit of MAGA. Vast majority of Americans love their country and never voted to give it up. Uniparty is arrogant, defiant, and out of touch dependent on election rigging to stay in power. The American people are rising. Whether Kemp wins or is forced into runoff, Americans are fed up with the ruling class and with election rigging. Americans are the sleeping giant that will not be denied. And then State Farm joins a trans-grooming club and then U-turns. Corporate C-suites in America are filled with secular elites. Secular elites. State Farm is just the latest example. Secular elites crave conformity to the trendy intellectual consensus. Embracing LGBT, etc. agenda is seen by secularists as inclusive and compassionate. The American people remain tethered to their Judeo-Christian faith, what is right and true. State Farm policyholders comprise of a lot more we the people than secular elites. Result, State Farm policyholder uproar causes immediate reversal of corporate directive pushing LGP, etc. education on children. The American people win when they rise up and push back against secularism and overthrowing the Marxists. Attempts of Biden DOJ to label concerned parents as domestic terrorists has backfired. NSBA is wildly out of touch, contemplating use of the U.S. military to control school board meetings. That's reasonable. Texas school boards are dropping out of NSBA. It's a powerful signal. Awakened parents are not going back to sleep anytime soon. Parents will not be bullied when it comes to the education of their children. The American people win when they rise and resist secular authoritarianism. And finally, parents fighting back. It is working. School board activism is not waning nationally. It's expanding and increasing in intensity. Whose Children Are They? Great film and other films have been a powerful wake-up call. Indoctrination is not education. And real education must be grounded in respect for and pursuit of truth. American parents win when they rise and defend their rights as parents. Tomorrow on the show, I have Dr. Peter McCullough for nearly a full hour talking about his new book about COVID-19 and the biopharmaceutical industry and so much more. It'll be a great show. So I hope you can all tune in tomorrow and every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. to America Can We Talk.
where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America?